0: this is a good test of spiritual life. Where is your mind set? Is it set on the things of the spirit or is it fixed on the things of the flesh, the things of this world, the appetites of the old nature?
1: Welcome to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad you're with us as we begin a message called The Experience of Life. And Jonathan, that is a big question. Where is your mindset? But why do you think that that is such a significant question for us to constantly and continually be asking ourselves?
0: Well, the Apostle Paul highlights the huge importance of the mind and of the mindset of the Christian in living the Christian life. And in the passage we're going to be looking at together today in Romans 8, he, he really tells us that we have a choice to make as to where we will set our mind. Will we set our mind on the things of the Spirit and on the newness of all that God has given us in Christ as we trust in him? Or will we set our minds on on the things of the old nature, the things of the flesh, and live in accordance with those? And we, we have a choice to make, uh, and a daily choice really, to fix our mind with with the Lord's help on the things of the Spirit, that the Spirit might then help us and strengthen us to live in accordance with all that God has set before us.
1: Well, we're going to look at this today from the book of Romans. We are in chapter 8. We're going to be looking at the first 17 verses there. So if you have a Bible handy, hope you'll grab one. And join us in Romans 8 as we begin this message, The Experience of Life. Here is Jonathan.
0: Our theme for the Easter season has, as you know, been the theme of life. We considered how the problem of death entered our world in the garden. We remembered with gratitude how the Lord Jesus purchased life for us at Calvary. We rejoiced in the victory of life in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And in a sense, our series could have come to a conclusion on Easter Sunday. But it struck me as I was preparing the series, it struck me that in the scriptures, this theme of life, it pushes beyond the day of the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. It, It takes us further. There's more to discover here, more to rejoice in. You'll remember that after Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared to his disciples. He then ascended on high. After the ascension came, Pentecost, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that was the moment when the disciples received spiritual life. They were joined to the risen Christ as his spirit came to dwell within them. Now, as we think about that extraordinary idea, and it is an extraordinary idea that the God of heaven should come to live within his people, we have to set that idea within its wider context, within the bigger picture of the whole of the Bible story. Cast your mind back for a moment to Eden with me and remember what happened. Adam and Eve, they rebelled against God. They were sent out of his life-giving presence. They faced the judgment of death, separated as they were from the God who is the source of life. But now, the other side of the cross and the resurrection, with sin cleansed, with redemption won, God not only allows his people back into his presence, as he did in the garden, he does more. He comes to live within his people. This is a stunning outworking of the life-giving work of Jesus. It is all part and parcel of the promise of life contained within the gospel, the story of the cross and the resurrection, it moves toward this, the work of Good Friday and the victory of Easter Sunday. They they pave the way for this. It is all part and parcel of the promise of life and the offer of life contained within the gospel. Every Christian believer, everyone who has turned from sin and repentance and has received Christ by faith, everyone who belongs to Jesus has received the Spirit of God, the life-giving presence of God. And with that reality in mind, I want to think together about what it means to live as Spirit-filled people, to live life in the Spirit. It's a grand theme. It's one that perhaps we don't talk about quite as much as we could, but it comes so fittingly, I think, on the heels of Easter. To consider the theme, we turn this morning to Paul's great letter to the Romans and to a very joyful passage in chapter 8. If you've got a Bible, I'd be so grateful if you could turn to Romans chapter 8 with me. Paul has just been speaking in Romans chapter 7 about the awful tug of the fallen sinful nature, the flesh, that incites us to reject God and his word and to live for self and to live for sin. The problem of the flesh, it is all too real. But in chapter 8, Paul opens up the glorious truth that the believer has the power and the help of the Holy Spirit to transform us and to set us free. And with, within this discussion, Paul sets before us a thrilling depiction of what life in the Spirit looks like. This is Romans 8. I'm going to read from verse 1 down to verse 17. Romans 8 and verse 1. please God. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. And anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For those who belong to Christ, those who have trusted in Christ and received the Spirit, for us, so much is now new." Life in the spirit brings profound newness. We can't deal with everything that's in this very, very rich passage, but I want to ask of it this morning. What is new for the believer? What are the characteristics of life in the spirit? Well, first Paul highlights for us a new mindset. When you move between cultures and countries, as we have as a, as a family, you will know that there are certain cultural patterns and habits that you can adapt to a new environment. Maybe you find a blended way of doing certain things. You, you take maybe cuisine from your old country and you North Americanize it a little bit over time. But there are certain things that can either be done the way you did them before, or they can be done, you know, the new way, but you, you kind of have to choose. It's going to be an either-or. I, I think, for instance, of, you know, driving on the left or the right. This is kind of a classic example. When we moved from Britain, we kind of had to, you know, make a commitment there. We, we were going to swap over 100% we really needed to. We couldn't do, you know, left on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then right the other days. We couldn't drive down the middle of the street as a kind of compromise, a cultural compromise. No, no, we needed to make a choice. We needed to make a a commitment, and the choice, of course, was obvious. Paul here wants to emphasize the fact that there are two very different ways for a person to live. It is actually an either-or. You've got to do just one or the other, but you cannot do both. A person can either live according to the flesh or they can live according to the Spirit. You see this very clear contrast running right through the passage. You see it in verse 4. You see it again in verse 5. You see it there in verse 6. Now, Paul wants to make it very clear that those who belong to Jesus, who have been saved by his work at Calvary, who have been filled with the Spirit, we are those who walk according to the Spirit. That is true of any genuine believer. Notice it with me in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him the true believer who is trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins the true believer has the spirit and with the gift of the spirit comes this new mindset notice it with me in verse 5 for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit set their mind on the things of the spirit Now, I think it's important for us to see here that Paul is not saying that if we, you know, manage to set our minds a certain way with a kind of determination and focus, we will then become spirit-filled people. No, I don't think that's right. He's saying that the true believer who has received the Spirit of God, as all true believers do, that believer has been given a new mindset. The unconverted person, he or she hasn't received this. Verse 7. Verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In our natural state, our minds will be fixed on the things of the flesh. That is on the things that our sinful nature hungers for. Things of this world, things to indulge self, things to satisfy the old us. That's the natural state of the fallen human mind and heart. How can I serve myself? How can I satisfy my physical appetites? How can I pursue my own pleasure through the things of this world. That is the preoccupation of the fleshly mind. But the Spirit has awakened us to spiritual realities. He's opened our eyes to the truth of God's Word. He has given us a delight, a new delight in the things of Christ, an appetite to know more.
1: You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths and a message called The Experience of Life. It's part of our series called Life, and today we've been taking a look at the first 17 verses of Romans chapter 8. We'll get back to this message in just a moment. If you ever miss a program, you can always come and listen at our website. It's EncounterTheTruth.org. You can stream the program or you can download an MP3 for free. You can also let us know how Jonathan's teaching is making a difference in your walk with the Lord. You know, I hope as you tune in and listen to this broadcast, it's helping you grow in your relationship with Jesus. If so, we'd love to hear about that. And if there's something we can do to pray for you, you can share that with us as well. Just contact us through the website, EncounterTheTruth.org. Back to the message. Here is Jonathan.
0: One of the experiences, characteristic experiences of Christian conversion is that we go from perhaps being entirely uninterested in the Bible Maybe this was the case for you. Maybe you recall this. It was a dry and dusty book. No interest there. But when the Spirit of God gave you life, suddenly this dry book came to life. Suddenly it had interest for you. Suddenly you longed to grow deeper, to know more, to gain insight. And your mind, its interests and its preoccupations, they were shifted. They were realigned. Your mind was reset on the things of the Spirit. And in that reset, suddenly eternal realities, the hope of heaven, the return of Christ, the glory of his kingdom, these things suddenly became real and important, even thrilling. And as the things of the Spirit become real and important and thrilling for us, the things of the world correspondingly, the things that the flesh yearns for, they don't don't disappear. No, they don't go away. But they begin to fade, don't they? They become less important than they were. It's the experience we sometimes sing of. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and what will happen. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of his glory and his grace. That's something that the Spirit enables within the heart of the true believer. Paul makes it clear that this new mindset is a mark of conversion. That's pretty clear from verse seven. And some here may be asking, some listening may be asking the question, you know, am I actually then a true Christian? I go to church, I I read the Bible from time to time, I grew up in a, perhaps a Christian home, Christian parents, but maybe you're asking, maybe maybe you should be asking, is my faith my own? Is this real in my heart? Have I truly received new life in Christ? Well, this is a good test of spiritual life. Where is your mind set? Is it set on the things of the spirit or is it fixed on the things of the flesh, the things of this world, the appetites of the old nature? Now, if you reflect on that question and you say, in all honesty, I don't really have a hunger, I don't a hunger for the things of the Lord. My mind, okay, it's pretty much fixed on the things of this world, the longings of the flesh, the desire for fulfillment in this life. If that's your honest answer in your heart of hearts, it may be a sign that you have yet to turn to Christ and receive new life. And if that's the case, it's very good that you realize and recognize that you identify today. It's actually vitally important that you do so. And now you know what is the one thing you need to do in response to this message. You need to receive life in Christ by his Spirit. That's your need. You need to turn to him in repentance and in faith. You need to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. And he will give you his life by his Spirit, if you will but ask him. Others of us will say, I I know what it is to desire the, the things of the Spirit, I, I delight in the things of God's Word. I know that delight. I know what it is to fix my, my hope on heaven. I believe that the Spirit of God has given me this new, new mind. I, I do belong to Him. But at the same time, if I'm being honest, here is the reality within. Here is the messy reality within. Here's the thing actually that concerns me. I know that my mind wanders I know that the flesh is still active. I know that the sinful nature is still tugging. And though I love God's word and long to grow in holiness, I find that my mind is being filled again with the things of the old nature. And I'm aware that I'm frankly letting it happen. The reality of life in the spirit is that we have been given this new mind, this new mindset, but the flesh is still there. The flesh doesn't disappear. The flesh doesn't go away. Our old nature still battles on. And it is possible to become mentally and spiritually distracted and compromised to allow our mind to drift back into the patterns of the old nature. And I think it's possible to live like that for some time. Perhaps you know all too well exactly what I'm talking about here. Perhaps you're familiar with it. And if that's your situation today, and it may be, I suspect it will be for a number. If that's your situation today, the encouragement and the admonition is this. By the help of the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, reset your mind. (laughs) Refocus. That will almost certainly involve a humbling before the Lord and a true repentance. And and that's perhaps the thing you need to work through with the Lord today, this afternoon. For all of us to go forward in a healthy way, we all need to avail ourselves of the help that is available to us. And there's no great mystery to this. The Lord has given us spiritual mental food in his word, in the scriptures. And we need regular daily top-ups, each one of us. The Bible's our nourishment. And the Spirit of God works in and through the Word of God to refresh our minds, to renew them as we read the Scriptures, as we talk about the Scriptures in our homes, as we study the Word with one another, with other believers, as we sit under the preaching of the Word together. The Word of God is the Spirit's great tool for nourishing and stabilizing the new mind. Sometimes there can be this kind of disparity. You know, you're either a kind of word Christian or a spirit Christian. No, not at all. The Spirit of God works through the Word of God to nourish and sustain the mind of the Christian on the things of the Spirit. And so, let me ask you, are you nourishing your mind with the Scriptures sufficiently today? Are you nourishing your mind in such a way that the Spirit keeps your mind set On the things of the Spirit. If you feel you're wandering, if you were to come to me and say, I feel I'm wandering, my first question would be for you, how much time are you spending in the Word of God? That's the first question to ask and often the answer will be, well, just lately it's been a little bit tough. Well that's where to start. Life in the Spirit, it brings a new mindset. Next it brings a new hope, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It is a rather depressing thought that we begin to die as soon as we are born. Each breath that we take is one fewer breaths that we have to take. Each heartbeat is really a countdown to the grave. It's not exactly uplifting to think about things in those terms, but we all know as well that it's completely true. That's why aging bothers us so much, even if we don't like to admit it. It's why the passage of time unsettles us as it does. It's one of the reasons I think that COVID has actually been so hard. In the back of our minds, we know we only have so long with our loved ones here on Earth, and losing a, a year. 18 months however long it is that we've lost and are losing and will lose losing that time for visits with certain loved ones That's a real loss because we know that time cannot be made up This awareness it is barely beneath the surface throughout human life I think this fact this sadness it is always there just under the surface in our thinking we know to borrow Paul's phrase, that the body is dead or at least it's dying. And if we're biblically informed, we know that this is all because of sin. And so we're all staring death in the face. We're all heading toward the grave. That is the morbid reality sort of hovering over all of human life. But for those who are in Christ, there is a new reality. There is a new hope. We've just remembered and celebrated at Easter the fact that Jesus conquered the grave on Resurrection Sunday. He won for us there a victory over our great enemy, a release from this great terror. And now the spirit of the living Jesus, the risen Christ, he indwells us if we belong to him. And the presence of the spirit of God in our lives means that even while our bodies die a little bit more each day, our spirit is alive, we have true spiritual life. And because we have that life within, our future is now markedly different from those around us, from those who don't know Christ. Paul's logic here in verse 11 is simple. The Father raised Jesus from the grave. His Spirit now lives within us, his people. We have the very life of the God of resurrection power indwelling us. And so there is now no way that this life giving God will leave us in the grave. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. The presence of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer means that now we are fundamentally a people who are destined to live and not die. That is our firm hope, our sure hope, our certain hope. And it changes everything, doesn't it? It means that we don't live in fear of death.
1: Jonathan Griffiths here on Encounter the Truth and a message called The Experience of Life. Part of our series called Life. And today we're looking at Romans chapter 8. We're going to pause here. We'll continue on our next broadcast. Well, whether you listen to this program on the radio, online, or through our app, it's all made possible because of your generosity. And as our way of saying thanks this month for your gift of any amount, we want to send you two copies of Jonathan's book, The King, The Cross, and The Meaning of Easter. It's simply our way of saying thank you for your financial support. You can keep one book for yourself and give one to a friend or a family member who needs to know more about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can give your gift online by coming to EncounterTheTruth.org or call us at 1-833-99-TRUTH. That's 1-833-998-7884. Or again one more time the website encounterthetruth.org. well thanks for listening today and i hope you'll join us next time